Hi there, I'm Janet Quinlan, and this is Finding Joy in Motherhood, the podcast for women who are looking for practical tools and words of encouragement to create an orderly, joyful, faith and virtue-driven home. I'll share tips to create mindset shifts that change the way you discipline your children, love your husband, and enjoy your day. This podcast is about coaching women to be the best woman God is calling her to be. I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I have a question for you. What does it mean to create a home? We may be tempted to answer that question by looking on Pinterest for trending, decorating ideas, or watching TV shows that showcase the newest and coolest things to do with a house, but that's decorating a house. I'm talking about how to create a home you love. A home should be a place where each person, children and adults, know they are respected, accepted, and loved for who they are. Our home should be a shelter from a world that tries to impose values on us that are not our own. Our home is our oasis. It should be a place where we can go and not be constantly confronted. Whether we live in a small apartment or the house of our dreams, I think that there are three pillars to a happy, nurturing home. They're the physical environment, the emotional environment, and the spiritual environment. And in this episode, I'm going to talk specifically about the physical environment. Aside from making sure the physical environment is safe, I would also strongly encourage you to make sure your home is conducive to stress-free living. And there are a couple of different aspects to that. If you have small children, the first place where I would check to make sure your home is stress-free is that your home is not a place where you're constantly telling babies and toddlers no. Babies and toddlers need room to explore. And if we have too much stuff or if our furniture and accessories are expensive, we'll either be frustrated that our children are ruining our beautiful things or we'll be constantly telling them no and teaching them to not explore, to not be inquisitive. And that's a life-changing mistake for them. As an elementary school teacher, I can tell you with certainty, no matter what your child's IQ is, if they aren't inquisitive and interested in learning more, they will be bored and unhappy in school and will not live up to their full potential. Also, to all you fellow grandmas, look around your home and see what really needs to be there. You don't want your grandchildren coming home and leaving thinking that all that ever happened was your grandma was telling you no. We want our homes to be just as welcoming to our grandchildren as they were to our children. So that may mean that you have certain rules like no food in the family room, or maybe you cover up wood that you don't want to get wrecked. For instance, we have a beautiful coffee table. It happens to be a darker wood. And so every ding and scratch would show up easily on it. So before all the grandchildren come over, we put a big comforter on top of the coffee table. And we also make sure that the children understand that only the little toys can play up on top of that coffee table. So cars and trucks and heavy toys, they must stay on the floor. And I've just established those as rules. And for the most part, the kids remember them, and obey them. And that keeps my stuff nice, 
and it gives them a place to still play and enjoy themselves. The next thing is to have your home simple but soothing. I don't want to give you the impression that you can't have a beautifully decorated home with nice furniture, window treatments, and appropriate accessories. It is important when creating a home to have an environment that brings you peace and comfort. We do need to create a sense of beauty in our home, just not at the expense of practical living. My walls were always soothing colors. Seven children required soothing colors for my day. I had a limited number of toys that were available for the children and would rotate them out with others that I stored away. And I had baskets for the toys to be kept in when not in use. And as a mother, same as a grandma, I had certain rules about how the children behaved in our home. I don't think that just because they live there, they can behave any way they want. It will wreck your things. And I think it's important to teach children that they need to respect our material things. But we just have to make sure that our material things are not more important than they are. So we have nice leather couches, which we finally got when most of the children were gone. And then grandchildren came pretty quickly. So I just teach the grandchildren to sit on the couches. They don't stand, they don't jump, they don't, you know, do somersaults over them. They respect my couches. Just as if they were my own children, I would teach my own children to do the same. Also, they don't bring food or drinks into my family room with my leather couches and my oriental rug. They just don't. They know that food and drinks are for the kitchen. And if you set boundaries, children understand them and they will honor them. My children always did. We never had food or drinks in any other place than the kitchen. Avoiding clutter. It's so interesting how things change as we grow up. When I was about 11, I think I've told this story before, I remember the day my mom came and sat down on my bed and cried. She was tired of telling me to clean up my room. She lamented that she must have done something wrong because I always had a chaotic room and she was certain I would grow up to live like a slob. Well, fast forward 10 years when I was first married and nothing could have been further from the truth. With the home I was creating for our family, I realized early on that clutter created stress and chaos for me. Now, it helped that we were young, poor, and married with children, so we really didn't have a lot of money to spend on things. I guess I would have been praised as a minimalist, but really, we just didn't have a lot of money for things. I found a lot of stuff around the house just made for disorder and stress. And now, 30 years later, even though I have the money for extra stuff, I prefer the clean, uncluttered look of my home. It brings me peace. You know, they say that when you walk into your home, if you have a lot of chaos and clutter, your brain gets triggered right away. You have to attend to that. You have to settle your brain down. Wouldn't it be better if you came into your home and your brain was soothed because you didn't have the clutter and the chaos? So look at your surroundings and ask yourself, do I really need these things? And be ruthless. We often don't need much of what we have. If it is an item you love, store away for later when the children can be taught to respect the nicer things of your home 
or decide to give it away if it adds to the clutter and chaos of your home. The next part about encouraging a good physical environment is to be vigilant about human interaction and limiting screen time. If you've listened to any of my other episodes, you've probably noticed a theme here. As an older mom, I see the damage that is done in families when the TV is on all the time, or much of the time. I see what happens when children are plugged into video games or TV throughout the week, and when children are given phones for texting, playing games, or just surfing the internet, it isolates them. Isolation causes disconnect and disrespect. If your children don't get along with each other, or if they are disrespectful to each other or disengaged, chances are it's because of screen time. I'm in a Facebook group where a mom asked the question, how do you handle screen time with your kids? I was shocked at the answers. So many children have screen time every day. When our children were growing up, they had screen time on the weekends. And even then, it was only one night a weekend, either Friday night or Saturday night. As they got a little older, I would say Friday night and Saturday night after dinner. But otherwise, we would have spent zero time together as a family. Take the screen time away. I know that you will probably have some blowback from your kids on this if they're older. But I want you to check out two movies if you can. One is on Amazon Prime, and it's called Childhood 2.0. It's for you adults to watch, not for your children to watch. Although after you screen it, you might decide to let your teenagers watch it with you and discuss it afterwards because it's very revealing and mind-blowing and sad all at the same time. What screen time is doing to our children and to our families. And the other one is on Netflix and it's called The Social Dilemma. Also very important to watch. Did you know that Steve Jobs didn't even let his own children have phones because he knew what it would do to them? I'm so interested in that little fact. Limit screen time. Phones, computers, iPads, TVs. It totally disengages and disrupts the whole physical environment of our family home. Children don't have to get along when they're plugged into something. And then when they are unplugged, they haven't had enough practice negotiating human interactions. So they are crabby and fight. And unfortunately, when children fight, that's often when moms say, go watch something or, or you can go play a game on your computer. And then it becomes a vicious cycle. Create a home that has a goal of authentic, human, eye-to-eye interaction. Positive, intentional human interaction is critical in developing a happy physical environment. And the last thing is keeping order in your home. Order just makes us happy. Keeping order comes more naturally for some, but you can't throw up your hands and say, I'm just not an organized person. Break down your day in your home into manageable parts. Teaching limits and order in the home is critical in helping the children learn to set guardrails and routines for themselves. I'm often asked, when should I start delegating chores? I say when they're about three years old, if not younger. You can begin giving them little jobs to do around the house. Yes, three, truly. Sometimes two-year-olds can do it. 
Two and three-year-olds can obviously pick up their toys. Maybe you need to help them a little, but they can do it. They can get into the habit of doing it. They can learn to make their bed, sort the laundry. You know, it's very simple, whites and colors, and it's actually fun for them. This will nurture their self-esteem and self-confidence as you compliment them on what a great job they did doing a small little task. If you haven't already, you can check out my free download for age-appropriate chores. It's at findingjoyinmotherhood.com forward slash home. And there I break down the chores that you can delegate to your children. They may not be done perfectly, but you're getting them into the habit of being self-sufficient and contributing to the care of the home. As they get older, you can give them more independent tasks, always encouraging and thanking them as they complete the tasks. You know, children don't magically learn order and routines when they hit a certain age. We train them as they grow. If you don't begin the training when they're very young in a positive way, it is much harder to begin routines when they are older. And don't be that mom. Please, please don't be the mom who loves her kids so much that she does everything for them. That's not loving your children. That's handicapping your children. Our jobs as mothers is to teach our children to be self-sufficient. By doing everything for them, we are not teaching them to become independent, self-sufficient adults. In fact, we're teaching them to be dependent, anxious, and insecure. Teaching independence begins as soon as they can understand us. Nurturing independent play, getting themselves dressed and undressed, and working with them to clean up toys and books and their room and their clothes and their dishes when they're finished eating are all ways we begin the process of becoming independent. They may not do the job as well as you can, but they are doing it, learning with your guidance, gaining self-esteem and self-confidence. And as with anything, remember the people in your ordered home are more important than the order. Challenge them with love. Be consistent in your goals. Then know that sometimes life may get ahead of you, and that's okay. God gives you the next day to reorder and begin again. So as you're creating your home, look first at the physical space. Make sure it is beautiful, orderly, and centered on human interaction. Your home is where you will laugh and cry together and where you will teach your faith and values. It is where you will grow your family and watch your children do their firsts and where you may have some serious sorrows and disappointments. Make sure it is a space that will help you create happy and tender memories, a place where all feel connected, secured, and loved. Don't forget you can pick up my free download on organizing, cleaning, and delegating chores at findingjoyinmotherhood.com forward slash home. Take care. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, leave a review, and share with friends. Thank you. Have a great week.